What's good, everybody? I'm John Zestremski, host of New York, New York with JJ, the first podcast on The Ringer and Spotify dedicated to you, the New York sports fan. We've got episode three nights a week, plus bonus episodes whenever news breaks. So make sure you follow the show on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz. I'm joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. This is episode 113. We're doing mailbags. Again, <laughs> email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Questions, concerns, thoughts, hopes, dreams, desires. Mostly you guys send us questions. Also go to fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Our draft guide's there. It is updated with our latest rankings. Please check it out. It works on your phone. works on your computer. Top targets, on- draft tracker, there's dynasty, whatever you need. And the draft tracker's cool. Like, if you click on the rankings button, it pops up. There's rankings, top targets, draft tracker. You hit the draft tracker button, and then as you're doing your draft and whatever platform you do, you can mark along with our rankings so you can look at our rankings while you're doing yours, and that way you're not anchored to, and not just, you know. Yeah, it shows you who's the top guy on our list. And you're not just a mental, feeble weakling who's being influenced by whatever the Yahoo or ESPN rankings that whatever you're using is. Feeble. Feeble? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) By the way, I think this is the first time you've said the episode number. I agree. I don't know why you did that. 113. Why not start now? There we go. Better late than never. Okay. So, yeah. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Check out the draft guide there. Ringerfantasyfootball.gmail.com. Email us there. Let's get into the emails. Yeah. Mailbag time, baby. Part two. Some very funny listeners, by the way. I was cracking up cracking up reading out some of our emails last night. So thank you, guys. Awesome emails. We decided to bring the mailbag back because, I mean, we're, we're really approaching peak draft time. Like, we're getting really <laughs> close to peak draft time here. So we figured we'd bring it back. Maybe we'll even do another one. You know? Who knows? We're going to start off with an email from Dylan. Dylan. What moment in your fantasy football career has scarred you the most? Craig? Uh, yeah. So the first year I ever played fantasy, I think I was 12 years old. And I didn't know what I was really doing. And my brother invited me in his league and I was all excited. And it was, it was my brother and his friends. He's four years older than me. So he was like, you know, maybe 16. And one of the guys in the league was my, one of my brother's friend's dad, who's a, he was the athletic director at a high school and a football coach. He coached Roy Halou. Remember him? The running back? Oh, yeah. yes. I remember him. So I, uh, it was the last week of the regular season, which was week 17 back then. Cause we didn't know what we were doing back then. So it was week 17 was the actual championship week (laughs) of fantasy football. And I was down four points on Sunday night. And all I had left was Rex Grossman. And it was a points per completion league, folks. Jesus. That means if 
Peyton Manning goes 30 for 40, he already gets 30 points despite any of the yards or touchdowns. What the fuck is before. wrong with you? Right. I don't know. It was 2006. <laughs> Everything was really raw back then. It was then. Wild. It was wild west. So I was down four points to this guy, Dave. And we were like, dude, Craig, the fucking 12-year-old, is going to take down the big dog for the championship in his first year ever. <laughs> Rex Grossman on Sunday Night Football went two for 12 for 33 yards and three interceptions and got me negative two, negative 2.7 points in a points per completion league. And I haven't been the same since. And it's kind of shaped who I am today in fantasy football. I feel like I remember that game. <laughs> I went back and looked at Rex Grossman's stats. He only had one year as a full starter. And of course, that's the year I had him on my team. And that was a really bad year for Rex. Rex was bad. That's a gut punch. <laughs> Rex started in a Super Bowl. On the Simmons scale, that's yeah. an absolute gut punch. That's unrecoverable. Yeah. That's honestly, that's worse than mine. My scoring moment was 2011. I had Drew Brees, who led the league in like passing yards. I had Calvin Johnson, who led the NFL in receiving yards. I also had Adrian Peterson. I was like, this is the best fantasy team I'll ever have in my life. And then, but the championship was in week 17. There you go. Because like the me. commissioner was an idiot. And so in week 17, the other guy picks up Matt Flynn. Matt oh. Flynn throws six touchdowns and I lose. <laughs> oh my God. That's really funny, actually. That. Fucking infuriating. <laughs> DK on the dock here just has minds easy. I mean, I've already like bitched and moaned about it enough on this pod, so I'm gonna keep it quick. But Alvin Kamara, can you not score six oh, touchdowns? That was it wow. in one fucking game. Oh like, my just, god! Just score four. <laughs> just score four, Alvin. Instead of six. Glutton. Glad you're over this. It's just ridiculous. He also should have scored like two more. <laughs> I'm never going to forgive the fucking His Vikings. expected fantasy points were higher than a game when he had six touchdowns. <laughs> they brought in Taysom Hill just to troll everyone. Taysom Hill scored a fucking touchdown. And then Kamara scored another one later with like a minute left. I can't hear Taysom Hill just getting brought in to fuck with everyone is real. Taysom Hill might just be a Nathan for you sketch in the NFL. We don't know. <laughs> oh my God, it really is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, anyways, I'm going to bury that. I'm, I'm, I'm done talking about Kamara forever from now on. Yeah, okay. For that, that game, I mean. The plan... You're a quarterback, but you play <laughs> special teams. And you're 30 years old. And you're 30 years old. We're going to trick the most progressive, offensive-minded coach in history to play a special teams player at quarterback. Here's the plan. We take our Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame quarterback off the field in key situations. The guy that's passed for 5,000 yards more than any other player all-time combined. We're going to take him off the field, and we're going to put this 30-year-old guy who wasn't even good in college at, as a pastor, and he's going to be our quarterback. Now, we can't get the Saints to pay you like a quarterback, <laughs> but with this mechanism known as voidable years, we can get it in writing that you will be paid in the future $140 million, which, of course, you will not see. But people will talk about it on ESPN. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Okay, let's move on. That was... I, I let's pitch that later to Nathan for you. Uh, <laughs> the we got another email from Corey C. Does having a league with three receiver spots change their priority in drafting receivers? It's a league with two running backs, three receivers, a tight end, and a flex. Yeah, it does. It's, yeah. This, if you're in a league with three receivers instead of two, it's a, it's a decent difference. Like you, receivers are more important. Generally, more of a certain position makes that position more important. Yeah, I mean, because it's like you're you're having to start more players at that so therefore I think people are going to start picking those guys more quickly they're going to hoard those guys a little bit more you have to have more depth and, and it means the gap between the good ones and the bad ones is wider that's why tight end isn't a big deal because if Travis Kelsey didn't exist pretty much all the tight ends are the same because there's only 12 of them but now if you have a 
you're starting three wide receivers in a 12-team league, you got to start 36 wide receivers and toss and flex. It could potentially be 48. So it's important to get the top guys. I think the simplest answer to be specific about what you do in a three-receiver league, I'm a lot more open to drafting a receiver in the first two rounds in a three-receiver league than a two-receiver league. I'd also say that after eight, your first eight picks, you probably want five wide receivers. That's a rough guide. When people say zero RB, uh, it makes a lot of sense in a three-wide receiver league. You could just... I, I have a friend who loves just starting his draft every year, three straight wide receivers, and then just like figures it out. And it's always a scary team because like three years ago, it was always like he had like Odell, Julio, and... You know, DeAndre Hopkins, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like this is extremely daunting. So give that a shot if you're in a three wide receiver league and nobody and then knows it's what like, to do. If you do that last year and then you get James Robinson at running back, then you just destroy everybody. Right. That's the idea. And people say wide receiver is the least fragile position. They usually don't get hurt. They last the longest, they're the most predictable. So that's, you know, a reason to do it. Do you guys like the three receiver sets? Or sorry, the three receiver fantasy leagues? 11 personnel fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Do so you guys like running eleven personnel? Yeah, I think I think my ideal fantasy league size would be two running backs, two like a super flex. So you basically a two quarterback mm-hmm. league and then three receivers. I, I like it because really it mimics it kind of what a real team looks like. Like originally, it's like one quarterback, three wide receivers, right. one or right. two running backs in the tight end. Again, it's like the two receiver format was from forty years ago, and now there's every team's three receivers as starting instead of two. So you know, there's yeah, there's just a ton of really good receivers yeah, now too. Exactly. It's, yeah, you should probably have three receivers. Okay, we have two different emails from the UK here. Nice. The first, from cheerio. Thomas. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably not what they say. What did you say? He said cheerio. cheerio. <laughs> I'm sure they don't Jesus. say that. That's like saying put another shrimp on the barbie to somebody who lives <laughs> yeah. in Australia, I think. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> DK, the cultured explorer, historian. I, I, I recognize I'm just being a, a, an idiot, so continue. Okay. Thomas writes, I wonder how all of you sleep at night. Uh, me too. Uh, I drafted and got value at every pick. Yet I find myself discontent with my team. I have Dalvin Cook, Russell Wilson, and DeAndre, I think DeAndre Hopkins. I find myself antsy and willing to upgrade in preseason through trade. Do you ever come away from a draft happy? Or is there always this inert feeling in fantasy that you could have done better and be doing better? And is it a good idea to trade before week one? I want to focus on the first part. DK, are you ever um, happy? Yes, I am. I am definitely happy sometimes after drafts. However, I find I have found I feel like that whenever I'm happiest, my team ends up being the worst. And whenever I'm like, <laughs> this team sucks. Yes, I'm always like, this team fucking won the league. <laughs> I like, literally I, said that to Hyvis <laughs> on the phone. I was like, there's yeah. a direct correlation between a team that you kind of don't like and think is boring being good, and a team you love and think yeah. is sexy sucking. A hundred percent. So true. I think it's because you like get anchored to this idea that you've picked all the best sleepers and like. They're, these guys are sleepers for a reason. Most of the time, they don't work out. You know, yeah, it's like a baseball batting average. Like if you hit thirty percent <laughs> on your sleepers, that's considered a good thing, and you just draft right. all of them, and most of them suck. I mean, this guy's team. The reason why it's boring is because he has Russell Wilson, who's been around forever and is good and consistent, and DeAndre Hopkins, who's like kind of no longer like a top sexy wide receiver. There's all these new guys that are so right. much cooler, right. but like those guys are probably going to have really consistent, safe fucking seasons, and he's going to win now. Yeah. And no one talks about Dalvin Cook either. Like, it's just... You know, one talk about Dalvin Cook is what he wants to say is really good. You should take him second. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, there's not much for us to say, so we don't talk about it. It's like that scene in the league where Ruxpin is, is roster baiting. He's yeah. like, literally, like, after the draft, he's like, yeah, and then I think he comes in last. <laughs> like, that's that's it. Like, if you're roster baiting after your draft, like, like take a cold shower. <laughs> yeah. I would say that we got to find it. We got to figure out a name for this. Well, what you want to do is, is you want to draft players who are husband material, not just one night stands. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's That's... 
unbelievable. That's exactly it. Also, you can just do the Vince Vaughn and not have goals because then you'll never feel to reach them because happiness is just reality. I got to tell you, it feels phenomenal. What do you guys think of this idea of of trading before the season? I think if you have a, if you're convicted on a player, if you have strong conviction and you think this guy's going to blow up and, and the person that you're trading with is undervaluing them, then yeah, go trade with them. If you think like, for instance, for instance, say, I don't know, I'll just pick CD Lamb out of a hat because I thought of him. But if you think he's going to like absolutely blow up this year and the guy that you're trading with is just like, oh yeah, he's a solid wide receiver too, then yeah, go trade for him because you could get value. I vehemently disagree with you, DK. I think it's the exact opposite. I think you should you should be trading against hype because CD Lamb's really hyped and there's zero chance. CD Lamb I don't want to be aggressive, but okay. there's zero chance the guy who has CD Lamb is like, yeah, he's fine. It's like you fall in love with your own players after the draft. You're disagreeing with my example. I picked a I picked a bad example of a player. I'm saying if you think that a guy is un, is is underrated, go trade for him. That's my main point. Yes, CD Lamb is a terrible CD is a terrible example. Say, find me, give me a good example of someone who's underrated. I hate when mom and dad fight. He's vehemently disagreeing with me, even though like we're actually saying the same thing. I'm just saying <laughs> I would only do preseason trades if like hype is involved, and you want to trade. If you have a hyped guy who's getting a trade ton of away, CD Lamb. How about yeah? That? I would rather trade away CD Lamb to someone who's obsessed with him because it's okay. like you know what I mean. I bet. I just capitalize on the hype. Yeah. But it's easier to say that than like you're not really going to trade away a hype player if he's on your team. Okay. Another one from across the pond here. It's from Mark. Hey guys. Mark. You've helped me win my league the last two years, which has been extremely satisfying being the only Brit in a league full of Americans. Wow. Oh, God, that's are. a flex. That's America's awesome. losing abroad. Um, <laughs> wow. So thank you for your great work. Every it's like year. going we to are- England and being better at everyone, being better than everyone at soccer. <laughs> It's exactly like that. incredible flex. I have a few questions from the mocks I've been doing using your rankings. DJ Moore is always sitting there for me in the fourth or fifth round. I don't think you guys have talked about him much. I'm not mm-hmm. listening while at work, quote, working. So sorry if you've talked about him. Would you, how do you feel about DJ Moore in that wide receiver two spot? And really all those receivers there, like DJ Moore, Thielen, and, you know, there's like kind of that whole little grouping there. How do you guys feel about DJ Moore? Because I think that he's in that range with like Thielen. Deontay Johnson's around there. Julio's around DJ Moore. Like, I don't know. What, what do you think about that range of like those wide receiver twos, boarding wide receiver threes? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like DJ Moore. I think the problem is just over the last few years, he has not gotten the touchdown, like the, the touchdown production that you really want from like a high-end receiver. I think he's super talented. He has come into the league and, and produced from a very early age. He's like 24 years old and he's been in the league for three years. Um, and so... And he's been really productive every year. But I think just it's sort of like the Julio Jones conundrum. It's like, is this guy going to score the amount of touchdowns that you need? Is this like if you're picking between him and say Chase Claypool, who I'm like, this guy could score 10 touchdowns. That wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. You know, how do you lean? Where do you lean? I think DJ Moore is sort of a floor play because especially like in half PPR and PPR, um, he has the potential to like go off in the touchdowns area, but it's just it hasn't happened, and so I can't really trust it yet. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about DJ Moore. It's just like a floor play, solid. Not he doesn't feel like the league winning type of player. I mean, I, I, I how do you guys feel about it? It's funny how much our perception of him would probably be different if he just had like seven or eight touchdowns in each of the last two years. He's sixth in yards over the last two years out of all wide receivers. But yeah, he's literally yeah. never been in the top forty in red zone targets in each of the last two seasons. So I guess my question is, is hmm. do we have any reason to believe that with Sam Darnold in this offense that that can change? Is it random? Will it get better? It's not random. The red zone stuff's really real because it's basically 
Joe Brady was the coordinator for LSU when they had that huge Joe Burrow season. They went undefeated, won the championship, all that jazz. Uh, I believe, so before the 40-yard, if you look at DVOA, which is like basically offensive efficiency, it's like five yards and third and 10 is pretty useless. Five yards and third and four is really important. So it's just adjusting for context. So within that, the Panthers had the second best offense by DVOA before the 40-yard line. Like it was the Chiefs were number one, Panthers were number two. Inside the 10, the Panthers went from the second best offense to the third worst offense. And it seems to be a combo of Joe Brady's offense isn't great in space. And then also, Teddy Bridgewater said they didn't practice in the in the red zone last year, like red zone situations, which is insane. One of the reasons I like Robbie Anderson is I'm hoping that the Panthers get a lot better because one, it's hard to get fucking worse than bottom three. Like even just regression is the kind of thing that you know moves you closer to the league average on that kind of stuff. But not if you don't practice it. So honestly, I'm a little like like if they're still not practicing the red zone, that'll blow my mind. I'm kind of just banking that they will fix that this year, to be honest. And if that's the case, I mean, then you're drafting a guy who's like a lock for 1,200 yards. And I mean, well, this is why I like Robbie Anderson, because I think Robbie Anderson is the cheaper DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, you can get three rounds later than DJ Moore. And also he might just outproduce DJ Moore outright. However, DJ Moore has a higher ceiling, which is why he's going higher. What is Sam? How does Sam Darnold fit into all this too? It's I like, believe we don't, in Darnold. We don't really know like if he's just going to tank this entire offense. You know what I mean? I believe in Darnold a lot. I, I think Darnold's going to be very good. To answer Mark's question, just yes or no, are you comfortable with him, DJ Moore, as your wide receiver too? Generally speaking, I'd, yeah, I'd rather I, have him. I'm comfortable with him. I, yeah, as my wide receiver two, yes. As my wide receiver, no. As, as my wide receiver one, no. Be a lot happier if he was the third guy, honestly, for me. Third guy, you're like. Yeah, that's like that's that's easy. Hell yes. Okay, another question from Mark here is that Trey Sermon is sitting at the top of my rankings, around six or seven. How do you feel about Sermon that high? Because there is this question: of Sermon versus Moss. So Raheem Mostert left practice with a back injury. I mean, we don't know if it's an injury or not, but he left practice this week. DK, how do you feel about Trey Sermon and like the tip of the like like the sixth or seventh round, basically? Yeah. I mean, we've got him ranked there. I think that would be a good spot to grab him. I, I like him. I think his upside is ast- astronomical, honestly, in this offense that runs a ton. They have a very good offense. He could be involved in the passing game. They could end up just using him as the the main guy on three downs and all that, and it could be awesome. However, he is still dealing with the fact that um, the 49ers like t- generally like to ride the hot hand or whatever, rotate running back, so you don't know exactly how much work he's going to get. He's still dealing with Raheem Mostert, who's a very good running back. However, I think it is important to note today, or on Wednesday, I believe, uh, Raheem Mostert went out with a tweaked back. He's been missing a lot of camp with other injuries. So he's just, to me, he is not necessarily a very trustworthy lead back, even though I think if he is healthy, he's probably going to be like the quote-unquote starter. I think, I think, Sermon has higher upside. I think that Mostert's going to be, it's going to be hard to trust him to be healthy for the whole season. So I'm, I'm really excited about what Mostert can do this, or sorry, what Sermon can do this year. I'm comfortable taking him at that spot because the upside is so good. Here's what I'll say. If you're comfortable, if you're happy with your team, it might feel like a reach to grab him in the sixth, seventh round, but Trey Sermon's the type of guy who really almost feels like a handcuff, but like a, like a, a extremely, extremely efficient handcuff who will get some time first. But if you think about what the Niners can do at the end of the season, most it's hurt a lot. The Niners, the fantasy playoffs and championship, the Niners play the Falcons, then the Titans, yep. then the Texans. Yep. And if Raheem Mostert is, you know, classic Raheem Mostert, he'll probably be banged up. And Trey Sermon could be like a top 10 running back for those three weeks. 
I think if you draft Trey Sermon, you should be prepared to just not really play him for the first three or four weeks and understand that it might take early, midway through the season until he's fully the starter, and then when he is, it'll be awesome. Yeah, play but a like, long game. You might need to play someone else at that RB2 spot for like the first three weeks of the season. Last part for Mark here. This is huge. Bearing the lead. I think my uncle recently became Mariah Carey's agent, <laughs> at least, or at least her representation over here in Europe, trying to find the best word and ask him, you got, uh, ask him about you guys using her song without confusing the hell out of him. Thanks again. <laughs> keep up the good work. Mark. This is incredible. Listen, I'm, I, I am constantly baffled and surprised and appreciative of our listeners, and this was over the fucking top. Mark, I'll do anything to get this song. <laughs> if Mariah Carey if gives us the rights to, the, to use this song, this will be the Mark to see football show on the, Mark the Ringer podcast. Now. We're going to just name it after him. Marxism. What do we tell Mark to ask his uncle? Like, how do we word this? He's saying it's, he's trying to think the best wording to ask him about. We'll, we'll, we'll follow up. We will okay. follow up. Yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. With the we'll follow language. up. We'll get Spotify we'll have, we'll involved if we down. need it. We have to finesse this, you guys. Yes. If we fuck this up, are you saying that we're not dripping with finesse, DK? It could be the here? worst thing ever. Hey, don't mention any artist that's not Mariah Carey, Heifetz. How God dare you? You're right. That was just <laughs> stupid. not thinking about it. I'm not finessing. Oh, my. Okay. This is from Rafi. This is a question for DK since he's in so many leagues <laughs> and currently playing in four fantasy leagues. Almost all the formats and the way we draft are the same. They're all like 10 or 14 teams, snake drafts. What if I go for the guys I really want in all four, wind up with four very similar teams, and then if one of the star players is doing... Oh, sorry, I, I can't read English. What uh, if my teams that like the players that get end up sucking or get hurt and cost yeah. me all of my seasons? Should yeah. I diversify my teams per league? Yes, absolutely. So this is like the question is, and I actually counted up yesterday. I'm in 22 leagues, you guys. Oh, oh my. <laughs> I cannot do it's that. It's like, I thought it was like 12. And then I started counting. I was like, holy shit. How did no, I collect no, so all no these? Offense, it's like, but like, I'm a hoarder. How did you confuse 12 with 22? I think it was like it was 12 two years ago and then I just stopped counting. It's like you it's like how does your garage get filled with shit? I don't know. It just oh, happens. You collect stuff along the way. <laughs> I think DK might have a problem, like a genuine problem. I think I do, honestly. <laughs> By the way, fantasy drafts, startup drafts for Dynasty Leagues got me through the pandemic. I'm not even like kidding a little. It was like the one reprieve I have from like the anxiety and stress of this pandemic. I'm like thinking about my teams. So I joined a shitload over the last like year and a half. Um, but now what do you do on Sundays? Because now you have players on your team you're rooting for. You and have players who are them. playing against Dude, you. Dude, I have that problem and I'm in like two leagues. <laughs> Yeah, now it's like, well, I just have a portfolio of Justin Jefferson, and it's like, I don't know how here's, I feel about here's how it. Here's how it goes. And this is honestly, I think, a good thing and, and why I would actually recommend joining a lot of leagues. It's good because no. as you go along, it, when you start out in fantasy, you have like all this anxiety. You got Your guys got to do well. You got to watch this one game for this one guy, blah, blah, blah. Now I've reached the point where I have every fucking player in the NFL, and I'm just happy to see anybody. Do no, well. that is so. I, but that doesn't make any stressful. sense. Passionately disagree with that. The entire point is investing your hope into players and watching them succeed and feeling that gratitude. <laughs> and the guys you picked paid off. It sucks to have dude, everybody. I'm living the Peter Lafleur lifestyle. I gotta say, it feels. Well, you're phenomenal. a nihilist. We're leaving this out. Like you're a nihilist. <laughs> like you literally take comfort in the fact that we're just like like meaningless bacteria on a space rock floating through outer space and like. Yeah comes and goes and none of this matters none of this fucking matters but he, having said that aren't there one or two leagues you care about more than the other 20 yeah i'm sort of joking because <laughs> the, i actually don't have all the players in the nfl believe it or not uh i 
I think it's a it's a mix. I go with a lot of the players that I think are good and I and I think are going to do well. But also, if you have Cam Akers in every league, you're fucked in all your leagues. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you have to diversify. Um, so basically, I think it's a mix. You take I I have a lot of um the same players. Like for instance, I took a lot of Justin Jefferson last year and it worked out really well for me. Um, however, I still, like I said, I have Cam Akers in several leagues this year, and those leagues are going to be really hurting this year. So you have to be able to, um, and I think it's actually kind of fun because it helps, it helps you sort of open your mind to like some of these other guys being really good. You know what I mean? Um, and it helps me in particular recognize that I don't know everything. And I'm like, if everybody's really excited about this player, why are they excited about it? I start to look deeper into it, um, and makes me like more willing to pick them in a draft. So um, long story short, yeah, just you have to diversify. I think it's it's important. Um, but that I I wouldn't say just you know just take one guy and don't take that guy again in another league. Like if you really have strong passion about this guy doing real really well, then yeah, you can have him on two out of four or three out of four. But just don't like have the same team in every league. We got a, a similar ish question from Hizzy. I don't know who Hizzy is, but I, I kind of like the name actually. Hizzy. Hizzy. Um, similar ish, which is would you rather reach on all your players and have a team of guys you're confident in, in or roll with the guys who drop in the draft and hope things go your way? For example, what does someone like Danny Heifetz do in draft league where everyone knows he loves Mike Davis? Do you reach <laughs> two rounds for Mike Davis? That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. The answer is no. Like, I don't reach for Mike Davis two rounds early because, like, first of all, like, yeah, it's weird, like, doing this for a living now. And then all the people in my leagues know my sleepers. And so I talk about Mike Davis all offseason. And then my brother, my draft comes and my brother just takes the guys that I talked about to spite me, which if you're (laughs) listening, Michael, like, fuck off. Can we have can we have Craig and Heifetz's brothers come on and just like roast them (laughs) without us? It's just them, too. I'm just going to talk to that. Yeah. Uh, well, my brother's uh, going to be 30 soon, so maybe we can have an all-30 club for them. <laughs> Sorry, fuck you, Michael. Okay, anyway, <laughs> but generally speaking, um, I don't want to reach because the whole point is that I love Mike Davis. Like, if I've radicalized a lot of you on Mike Davis, and I want to take this opportunity to speak directly to my Mike Davis radicals. Please don't take him in the third round. <laughs> the Mike Davis Kool-Aid. The radicals. The whole reason I like Mike Davis is he is like the third or fourth round running backs, but you can get him later. Yeah, that's the whole point. So if you can, re- if you reach into the fourth round to get Mike Davis, he's just the fourth round guy like everyone else. The reason I like him is that in ESPN, you can kind of get Mike Davis in the seventh round, and then in the fourth, you can take a receiver, and now you have Amari Cooper and Mike Davis, which I'll take over J.K. Dobbins and Jamar Chase, which is what the other guy's going to have. So I, don't reach too far. I mean, get him if you, you get your guys. Just to me, reach one round early. Never reach more yeah. than a round early for yeah. the guy. That was if they won't say. be there at your next pick... That's not a reach to me. That's what I was going to say is if you reach too much, there's massive opportunity cost potential. So if you're going to reach, do it by like 10 picks or 12 picks or whatever. To be clear, the definition of a reach to me is will they be there, not counting the first round or two, will they be there at your next pick? If the answer is like, yes, that's a reach. Also, I would say that the the later you get into your draft, the more you should reach because the oper- like yes. the hit rate of guys going mm-hmm. around 11, 12, 13, like it's just pretty much all the same. It, there's no huge drop-off between like round 12 guy and round 15 guy. So if you're in round 12 and you like a guy that's probably not going to go to round 15, but you really want him, just take him because there's no difference. Right, that's true. And the rankings matter less, to be frank. Like, it's all like made the up the points in that 10 matter, spots. Yeah. yeah, it's the difference between our 30th and 40th guy versus our 140th and 130th guys. Yep. I mean, it's a huge difference. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. It's from Ryan. 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 <laughs> we haven't said anyone's that. Do we have to retroactively yeah, we, like, we've Thomas? Been doing it. I've Craig, been doing it. Craig has been doing it. Yeah. Oh, you have? Okay. I just don't listen to Craig. Uh, from Ryan, say you're starting a new podcast, not about fantasy football, and you need to draft a co-host. <laughs> if your first overall pick were Danny, DK, or Craig, what would that pod be about? This is an awesome question. There's two. So I really, really like working with you guys. I don't like where this is going. The implication that you two are at the top of my board hey. is a little rich. <laughs> <laughs> I have the first overall pick to start a podcast with anyone. Well, I already have a podcast with you guys. I feel like that's not diversifying my portfolio, as DK would say. However, if your first overall pick were Danny, DK, or me... Yeah, thanks for sneaking that criticism into a question that wasn't the oh, question. Don't, don't, don't flip this on me. If you can start a <laughs> podcast with anyone in the world, you're like going to take me first. Well, that's no, not the question. Not. The question is, what would you talk about? <laughs> I know. I just wanted to be clear here. Damn. God damn it. Uh, listen, here's what I think I'm doing. I think I'm doing a... I got two. There's two topics. SpongeBob and its first four seasons before it sucked. And this show's called Binge Bob Sponge Mode. It's just binge mode <laughs> about SpongeBob. I've been pitching it for two years at the ringer and never gets picked up. And the second is, I think I would just do like a real deep dive on like high school movies. I love high school movies. Ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Like, so wait, hold on. Yeah, with who? With me or DK? Yeah, the question, so I guess I assume it's, you're going to do the SpongeBob one with Heifetz. Absolutely. Because I have never watched SpongeBob. Yeah. That might, that might be tough. And I'll do the high school one with DK. I'm great. I would be great at that. Wow. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so for my thought with Craig... It would be a bridge the gap between our generations mm. podcast where Craig just explains to me what what the Zoomers are doing. Yeah. Like, what are, what are you guys doing out there? Yeah. So basically, it would be like a Scrolling. podcast where we talk about TikTok. And it ex- you explain to me the TikTok phenomenon, what it's all about, who the stars are, all that stuff. Right. I learn maybe the next episode is about, you know, music that I have not listened to ever and oh my have God, no wait. knowledge on. On that note, Peter King... We're going to call um, it Bridge the Gap. Dude, Peter King in his column this week, Peter King is, I mean, the legendary football writer, and he's been doing this for 40 years, and he wrote about how he just did this training camp tour for like 30 days with these two NBC production interns he had never met. And he was like, <laughs> they showed me a lot of younger music, parentheses, I like Kygo. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Peter. Wow. Peter was King. Like just picturing Peter King on the road listening to Kygo. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I now like Peter King way more than I did before. If I was going to do a podcast with Heifetz, it would be about, like, I feel like it would be about like crypto. Like Heifetz, <laughs> Heifetz oh is a conspiracy theories, oh <laughs> deep <God>. state. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> we just read conspiracy theories and laugh about it. Actually, that's already a podcast. Let me tell you about the fallacies of government-controlled centralized <laughs> currency. Hyphus okay? just, I just ask him a question and then he rants. Bitcoin is the Mike Davis of cryptocurrencies. The, the, oh the podcast is called Rocket Science, and every single segment, <laughs> Hyphus goes, listen, it's not rocket science. And then he just tells you what the thing's about. <laughs> That's a really good hook. Uh, I feel like oh you guys God. really missed the opportunity here to have a history podcast with me. I was no, that's no one asked me. Oh, I was going to do a history <laughs> pod with you. Hyphen is the younger brother. Go ahead, go ahead. DK, yeah, DK uh, just reads history books and tells them to be about, like you're an old dad. <laughs> I actually, and it's want like to who, do people this. who like don't want to call their dads, but like do uh, want to hear from a, da a dad. What if we call it's it like soft core history? Soft core, and it's yeah, soft core, soft bellies, and it's DK just being like just. So I read this book about ancient Rome, and he just tells you about the book. Yeah, and I'm like wildly, like inac inaccurate. Oh, yeah, it's not really. It's like an audio book, but it's like it's not like, really what the book was saying. I read a book once, and now yeah. I'm an expert. DK, you got to have a pod with Rosillo. Rosillo's all in on history as well. You guys would have a great show together. I mean, yeah, I love history. Oh my God, Rosillo and DK talking history it would be World War II. Like, did, so you know how they got the gas to Berlin? <laughs> The whole war ended because it was about gas. Otherwise, it'll, it blow, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. It took about mind. five days in May with Churchill. Or still, okay, it'll be like, you know, Napoleon and Kyler Murray, a lot of similarities. And you're like, dude, I think they were just short. And he's like, no, nah, there's a lot there. I read this book called Five Days in May about the five days that like swung World War II and how London didn't fall. And it was supposed to be like this incredible book that's the culmination of one of the top World War II historians ever. And it's like the culmination of his career is like, I have identified these are the five days that swung World War II. And I read it and I finished it. I was like, it's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> you are such. Like, I was honest. It was the middle of pandemic. Such I just a zoomer. It up and I was like, you'll get it that, someday. That was. Yeah, I just need to have children yet. Okay. You're like, hey, what's going on at the hype house? That's more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is from Tim. For years, I've asked my league if we can do a memory draft. So good. Draft. This is funny. No cheat sheets or electronic devices allowed. You can only bring a piece of paper and pen to keep track of the players drafted. Could you draft solely on memory? Which round do you think you would lose track of players? And he says, I think I can manage to round nine, but it would be like a flashback to final exam season in college. This is a phenomenal idea. And I, I want to add to it. I think immediately after the draft ends, the memory draft ends, you do an immediate live auction waiver where all the players oh that everyone God. forgot is this massive pool and everybody gets $100 and you each get like two players and you start bidding on the remaining guys. Who do you think is the best player that would not get picked? Well, these are the Glansbergs, right? Like this is essentially... I think it's Brandon Cooks. Mm. I don't think Brandon Cooks would get picked. So you're not even allowed to write down... You can write down who's been... You can write down who has been drafted. That's yeah, you write though. down your play... Yeah. Right. Because I was, yeah, was going to write out all the divisions and all the teams. You can't do that though, right? You, can, you know, it's all in your mind palace. It's all in your head. I think it's you shouldn't be able to write track. anybody. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah, I think Brandon Cook's a great call. It's just all those Glansbergs type style guys. Robbie That's Anderson. T.Y. Yeah. Hilton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're forgetting about oh, him. Oh, yeah, T.Y. Hilton. I would not remember. <laughs> That's a really good one, actually. Cha like, like my, maybe like Chase Edmonds. I don't know. Yeah. Miles <laughs> Gaskin. so funny if you get through like 120 picks and it's like, Oh shit! You're like Did no one. It's like oh shit! Did anyone think Miles Sanders? Yeah, you're like Chris Carson. <laughs> Miles Sanders about him. Miles Sanders is a good Russell one. Russell Wilson's still there. That's pretty good. Awesome idea, Tim. Execute that idea. Yeah, let's some. Please, people, do that and let us know. Okay, we got a couple questions about stacking. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of questions on this about. We got Justin, Dave. Shout out, emailed this, but we're gonna read Chris's email. Uh, but shout out everyone who emailed us about stacking. 
In one fantasy league, this is from Chris, I decided to really just send it in on the Packers offense. I drafted Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Hashtag pack stack. <laughs> I hate hashtags, but that one's really funny. Is it viable to just full stack higher power offenses like Green Bay or Kansas City? And then also a lot of people want to know that, but like just the receivers. So to be clear, this makes sense in daily fantasy, which is weekly. It's a little riskier in a regular fantasy league. Basically, I think it comes down to this. The Packers are like a bad choice for this because the offense just had the best red zone scoring season ever. And if they just are mm -hmm. a lot worse, like it's kind of dangerous. You're right in the regression. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, it, there's, there's a lot can go wrong. If I'm going to stack a team, what I want, I don't want to take a team that's really good at a high value. I'd rather take a team that like people are generally low on that I think could be a lot better than everyone else's thinks. Like the Packers is like, everyone thinks they'll be good. You need them to be good. But if you go like, let's just throw this out there. The 49ers where you can get Raheem Mostert or Trey Sermon, like outside the top 60 picks, you can get Brandon Ayuk outside the top 50 or 60 picks, George Kittle, you know, top 30 and then Trey Lance outside the top hundred. That's your betting on an offense. And if you're completely wrong, it doesn't kill your season. I like stacking. I think it's a it's a higher variance strategy um, because you could really you know you have to ride the lower lows if neither of these guys have a good game. But I mean, man, if all three of these guys Aaron Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and that that especially too is an offense that concentrates a lot of its production in its top three guys. So I like this. I'm I'm wondering how he got Aaron Jones. I guess it's probably like he had like the late a late pick in the. I think you could pretty easily do that. I, I guess you'd probably like pick Aaron Jones first, or well, if you have like first. the 10, 11, 12th pick, I think you yeah, could pull yeah. It off. If you have nine, you can pretty easily regardless. Pick Adams. The other thing I think that I would just say about general stacking strategy is pretty much what we were talking about earlier with your guys. Stacking, I think, is good. Reaching a lot to get a stack is not good. Like in other words, if you have to reach a ton because you're afraid that you're not going to be able to complete your stack, that's not. I don't think that's like a uh, like a very efficient or effective way to build your team. So um, just let the let the draft fall as it may, and then if you end up getting the opportunity to do a stack, I think that's cool. Something I can't speak for personally is that my team's never been good enough to do this with my own players. But if you're Packers <laughs> or Chiefs fans, fucking go for it because I've, the Giants have never been good enough. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just take like the best like. But that would be fun, and that's the same for the value thing. We talked about reaching before. The exception for reaching is. If you have a player on your own team that you love or a player that went to the college you went to that you also love, then fucking reach for that player. I don't know. Though. You couldn't make the argument for the opposite. Bill, like 10 years ago, wrote this whole article about like how to draft. And one of his points was like, never draft a guy on your team because it's just double the pain if he tears oh, his ACL. Oh, no. Bill, it's a, it's the freaking Patriots. And Emotional hedging. If Bill had had Randy Moss for the 2007 <laughs> season, he'd feel differently about it. He just didn't have it. All the other Patriots offenses. But imagine drafting Tom Brady and you're all excited and then he tears his ACL. And you're like, well, now literally both of my seasons are over. No, I, you're right. It's like the diversifying with DK. It's, there you go. I guess that's why Bill probably never yeah, had Yeah, this is why I have every player in the NFL on my fantasy <laughs> Can't teams. get hurt. Yeah. Gotta tell you, it feels DK, phenomenal. Do you draft Chris Carson and, and Russell Wilson? Like, do you do that? Yeah, yeah. You could target them. So I built my first dynasty team around Odell, and um, that was awful. <laughs> 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 that fucking sucked. It's probably good yeah. for the first couple of years. No, it was, it was, it's, it ended so poorly. Uh, it was so not fun. Anyway, uh, stack, I, I just kind of don't go out of my way to do it or not do it. I, I like if I, you know what I mean. I, I kind of agree. Kind of if it happens that. kind of yeah. inadvertently, yeah. then it happens. I'm totally indifferent. But yeah, if you want to go for it, yeah, go for it. You're betting on like you know, Chiefs are like Amazon <laughs> I like stock. Our official position is sure, sure. <laughs> that, it is. That really is like sure. I'm kind go of for it.
Yeah. Okay. Hey, Danny's and Craig, I'm in a 16-team league with unique, their quotes, unique scoring. One of those rules is at the center of a dispute. In this league, quarterbacks get half point. Oh my god. It's so half point insane. per pass attempt. This is like Craig's 06 league. Half point per pass attempt, full point per completion, and minus a tenth of a point for incomplete passes. My argument is that because of the scoring system, a quarterback gains four tenths of a point for a play where they threw a fucking incompletion. I added the <laughs> I think this is dumb. Am I wrong? Yeah. Also, my league is full PPR and gives a half point per rushing attempt. I have never heard of that. So there's a league-wide theme of rewarding volume, but I think a scoring system where a quarterback is better throwing an incompletion than not throwing a pass is counterintuitive. Hope I get to hear your thoughts. Best wishes, Stefan. So this has literally sparked a new segment that we are going to introduce called League Rescue. <laughs> uh, where <laughs> This is so ridiculous. This is insane. I, I, I don't know if you guys remember those like restaurant fixer shows called like Kitchen Impossible or Restaurant Impossible. That guy, Robert Irvine. There's been a bunch of people to do it. They just come into a restaurant. I like the Gordon Ramsay one. Fucking clean house. Like, the sea scallops are not at the proper temperature. They shit all the waiters. The, the feng shui of the restaurant's all wrong. The kitchen's set up poorly. <laughs> this menu. What are you doing Dude, with you this menu? If you go to YouTube and you type in bar, like the top seven mess ups or whatever on bar rescue, it's pretty incredible. They're trying to do too much. You're trying to do too much. Do, too, too much. Less. Do less. <laughs> well, this too girl less. pours the drink into the mixer and she's like, no, what do you have to do first? And she's like, oh, right. And pours it out and then does the same thing. Pours it right. She's like, did you just pour the thing into the thing I just told you not to pour the thing into? She's like, <gasps> We got a lot of cleaning to do here. Who the fu who the fuck thought about 0.5 points per pass attempt? <laughs> Craig is upset. What the hell Craig, is I've that? I've never seen you so angry. I just can't. I I would love to know how this man this man should be a politician. Whoever got everybody to agree upon this 0.5 points per rush attempt and pass. No, attempt? no, no, no. It's not. It's not a politician. I'll tell you exactly who this is. When we talked about the archetypes of the pe the three people who show up to your auction draft or your salary cap draft. One of them is like the wizard who's got the spreadsheets and is like, I'm going to let everyone else like spend their money and I'm going to sweep up. Yep. That guy who like has all the math and all the spreadsheets and is like very, ca that guy is like, well, you know, the randomness needs to be eliminated because we can predict the volume, but we can't predict the scoring. So we need to make the whole game of fantasy more predictable. So we're going to do the rules to reward volume because that's the skill is Ooh. predicting volume. You're right. I, I see what you're saying. Volume reflects that that your player's good. Which on one hand is true in that volume's more predictable. And on the other hand, it is a complete and utter disengagement from reality itself and a misunderstanding of what it is to be a human on earth, because except what's outside of your control. This is this is this person has lost their grip on reality and has control issues. Kevin Clark maybe made this league. This actually might be secretly an email from <laughs> Kevin. Remember Kevin was like, let's just get rid of touchdowns in fantasy because they're unpredictable. That was his hot take. So is the league, this league is basically rewarding players, like quarterbacks who pass a lot, but also are efficient, right? So like, it's not just giving extra points to like the, the Tyrod Taylors of the world who complete 12 of 13 passes and, you know, whatever. Like, you, this is like, Josh Allen is going to go absolutely nuclear in, the, nuclear in this, yeah, this league. Yeah, this is because the dumbest... <laughs> Also, it's really important to Craig's point about this being a politician. 
It's a 16 team league. Can you believe they got 10 people on in this? Never I would mind 16. Hate being in this league. What? Is it a 16 team <laughs> league? This poor person, Stefan, here is like, I love how he's like, my argument is that the scoring system is dumb and counterintuitive. Like, how, how no one else in the league can see what poor Stefan sees? I don't understand. Stefan, leave that league. What do you guys think of, uh, as, as long as we're on the subject of weird rules, what do you guys think of like, 100-yard bonuses, 300-yard passing bonuses, all that stuff. I don't like them. They're arbitrary. Uh, I don't push for them, but I also am in a couple leagues where people have... People like them. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. like... 100 is a random number. It, yeah, it is a that random nice number. nice round it's also number, like, and then you get an extra touchdown It's for stupid. It. Well, it's also <laughs> fantasy football. And in your fantasy, no one gets 99 yards. You get 100. Like, let's be real here. And so I, I don't mind them. I, I wouldn't push for them, but I also don't see them in a league and I'm like, oh, get rid of it. Like, it's, yeah, people like that. Let's, I don't mind the idea that real. it's like fun, I guess, but I, there's no like base in reality of why it makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. No, I think there is an impact though. It's kind of like in basketball when someone hits 50 points. If you're in a fantasy basketball league and somebody hits 50 points, That's like, yeah, you just get as arbitrary. No, you, you should just get the 50 points. You should just get the points they scored. <laughs> there's no, in, in the sport of football or basketball, there's no extra bonus you get for playing extra well. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I okay. We're gonna leave rest. All right, Stefan. We're just gonna. The, the answer is like just leave this broken system. Or Stefan, let us get in there and excavate. Yeah, clean let everything us fix. up. Let us. If there is a league and you guys will just outsource your rules to us, uh, just do it. We're just, just drop us in your group chat. We're gonna fix everything. Yeah, send us your batshit league rules and we'll fix them. Yeah, title it under League Rescue, please, in the email. Ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Okay. Question about handcuffs from Evan. What's your Evan. opinion on handcuffing? Your top Evan. running back, right? Sorry, Evan. What's your opinion <laughs> of handcuffing your top running back? I go back and forth on it every year. See a lot of mixed opinions. Would love to hear your thoughts. If the handcuff has their role defined as the guy who will take over, I pretty much do it every year. I'm a I'm a handcuff. I'm a, I'm not a handcuff player. I like to grab guys that could end up being handcuffs for other teams. So if you hit on those handcuffs, it's like double bonus. So in other words. I'll try and gra- like I'm not going to try and grab the backup for Christian McCaffrey in my league or whatever. Um, I'm going to try and grab the backup for Derrick Henry and for whoever. And if I and if Derrick Henry gets hit, that's like a double bonus for me. Wait, I don't understand. Why would you not do the McCaffrey one? Because he's probably not going to get hurt. And uh, what he got what? hurt last year, and his backup was like a top five running back when he played. <laughs> What are you talking about? I thought I'm saying that like I will draft the handcuff to my team if I know that the guy I drafted, if his backup has a defined role, like a Latavius Murray or an Alexander Madison, I will draft that guy. But if you have somebody whose backup situation is like kind of hazy, I won't take a risk on that. It's not a, you know, it's not worth it. So yeah, and I understand what you're saying. I, I I don't necessarily like say don't do that. What I'm saying, and this is a strategy that I've seen people touting, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is if you take Christian McCaffrey, he's like your main guy. Well, if you have McCaffrey, okay. Right. And then you also take late in your draft, take a few dart throws on guys that will be the the handcuffs for other yeah, 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 yeah. big-time guys. Okay. If you hit on those players, you're fucking winning that league. If you have McCaffrey and you get his handcuff, it's neutral. If at best, at best. So your thinking is basically you want to plan on, you don't want to plan like your draft goes perfectly, but you do want to try to at least live in the world at the beginning where you did well and your enemies will get weaker as you get stronger. One is high upside, one is high floor. Right, exactly. If you, so like if you're doing the straight handcuff, it's a neutral situation if you get hurt at the very, very best. Yeah. If you get someone else's handcuff, and it's like Mike Davis from last year. So you have Derrick Henry, and then you had Mike Davis as your handcuff. Now you might win your McCaffrey. league. Now you're literally winning your league. 
Right. So I actually like that strategy more. It's also a great fuck you to like your friends, you know, like you just right. And then you can hold him hostage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, if you don't have that much faith that he's going to be a full handcuff, you can hold him hostage when they when the injury first happens and just get Devonte Adams or something ridiculous. I will say though, the spite involved. I have so I have I probably have speculated on other people's handcuffs for I feels like six years. Even when you hit. And like the guy gets hurt, which let's be real, it's a little fucking greasy to just be like, oh, got Tony Pollard, fucking hope Zeke gets hurt. Can't wait for that tweet from Schefter. <laughs> but then aside from the moral ambiguity of that, the second part is that guy never wants to trade with you because out of it's it's rationally, it's like you lost Zeke, you should get Tony Pollard. In actual practice, they're like, fuck you, you fucking ambulance chasing bastard. You waited <laughs> all season chaser. for my guy to get hurt just so you yeah. can flip him to me. Still worth Go it. to hell. I've never once successfully flipped someone to another guy. I don't even think you do it to flip. I think you do it just to piss them off. You start Tony Pollard then, and then that guy has nothing, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. Ambulance chaser, that's good. It's true. That is what handcuffing is for other people, though. It's, it's ambulance chasing. Hank, um, okay. But I, I see what you're saying, DK. So wait, on that note, this is a, actually kind of an important question. Who are the handcuffs you're actually willing to do? And by handcuff, I think it's important. It's that it's below a committee. It's, in essence, a guy that right. you would basically never play if the starter was healthy. So it's not like a committee. It's like, so Tony Pollard is the backup for Zeke and Madison. Dallas. He's draftable. Mm -hmm. Alex Madison for the Vikings, backup for Dalvin Cook. I mean, is Chuba draftable. Hubbard, I, I know I just did use the example for Christian McCaffrey, but you definitely should draft Chuba Hubbard in the late rounds. Chuba Hubbard is drafted because Matt Roll, the Panthers coach's wife, texted him and was like, you should draft Chuba Hubbard. He's he also like, you know what, good. We'll go. He's looked pretty good in the preseason, too. Does A.J. Dillon qualify for this? He's probably the highest level. I don't think he's a he's not a pure handcuff, but I absolutely he would he's go a, He's the off. highest form of committee that I would say qualifies as a handcuff because that would be a crazy role for him if Aaron Jones got hurt. The other one I'll say, Derek Henry, it's basically, yeah, Darrington Evans for the Titans. Yeah, I like Darrington Evans. And the other one is Tony Jones, dude, for the Saints. We don't know this one yet, but dude, Latavius Murray might not make the team. In New Orleans, and Latavius Murray's been that handcuff for a while. Might yeah. not make the team. Remember when you guys made fun of me for bringing up Tony Jones a couple episodes ago? I will defend myself in that all of the other guys <laughs> you mentioned still likely are not going to do a damn thing. All of the other guys? What do you like? Name them. Name. I can't em. because I, I've never heard of them. Ah, you're full of shit. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, let's get some Superflex talk. We got a lot of Superflex questions. We got Harrison, Brandon, someone named Dangerous. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read Brandon's question because Dangerous scares me. And then also is the best one, but they're all the same, basically. Brandon's asks, I'm playing in a Superflex league for the first time this year. According to Danny, I don't know which one. It's a, oh, me. It's a non-standard size league, which is 12 people. I was wondering strategies to use for Superflex. Should I go heavy on quarterbacks purely out of scarcity and their relative increase in value, or should I draft, follow similar strategies to standard leagues? What do you think, DK? Uh, yes, go quarterback heavy, I would say. It, as, a, as a rule of thumb, you want to have two good quarterbacks on your roster. It's like the most... 
uh, plus EV. Like you're gonna you're gonna be at a huge disadvantage if you're not starting two quarterbacks. Put it that EV way. makes you sound smart. You're just saying extra value, right? Expected value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say you don't have to do the thing where you take two quarterbacks right away. I would say in your first two picks, you want a quarterback. And then from there, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. You can still hammer like running backs and receivers for the first couple of rounds, grab a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick a little later or, you know, whatever, whoever the other guy be, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins is a guy that tends to fall pretty frequently. Um, these are fine as your, as your QB2 throughout a season. Um, I personally think like, Last year, for instance, in a Superflex League, I had Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and I won that league, largely on the backs of those two guys. Obviously, Wilson kind of, both of them actually kind of like faded a little bit down the stretch, but um, regardless, I think having two elite quarterbacks is like the easiest way to win a Superflex League. The problem is then you have to hit on some later guys. You have to hit on the receivers later. You have to hit when, you, when you're drafting some of these like less established pl- players later. It's like any normal draft, but yes. Bottom line is quarterbacks are going to score by far the most points um, on your roster if it's standard if it's standard scoring. And not starting two quarterbacks is a massive disadvantage for your team. You definitely have to start two quarterbacks in Superflex. There's a few ways to do this. It's you can start you can take Patrick Holmes with the first pick in a Superflex league. It's totally fine. You can also wait and wait on quarterback, but the definition of waiting changes in a two quarterback league. Yeah, it's like it it's starts two to get ugly around fifty. <laughs> 50 or so, yeah. whatever-ish, or in an auction, like there's a certain amount of money. It's really important to have quarterback tiers and figure out which of these guys are just unacceptable to start at the second quarterback position and draw a thick red line and be like, I'm not going below that. And you have to reach, like, because the rankings may not reflect the real end. So you just have to understand, like, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins are a perfect example. You might get Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins and be thrilled with it, and then you'll have really good players. So I think that you either get Mahomes and, like, you know, Russell Wilson up top, you wait, you get Matt Ryan Kirk Cousins, or you do some combo with that. Any of those can work. It's really more just knowing in advance what is like the worst quarterback I'm willing to have start for me. Because if you yep. know the answer to that in advance, you'll be fine. Yep. Uh, going from Superflex, just to like some more beginner stuff, some 101 stuff, get an email from Emma. When is a good day to set up your draft? How many players should I take at each position? And then when you're in the draft, how do you decide who you're going to pick? I think those are actually good questions. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Schedule the draft as close to the season as humanly possible while getting everyone to come. You have to get everyone. You can't have auto picks. It's awful. Weekend before is ideal, I would say. Yeah. Only, I mean, so positions, you want one defense and one kicker. Honestly, there are plenty of leagues like sleeper. You don't have to even take a kicker. Like, don't take a kicker and take a running back if you don't have to. You don't have to take a kicker in Yahoo. They don't make you. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't have to take a kicker, don't. Like, just draft a running back. So you're saying take, take a different player, wait until the day before the games kick off and then you can figure out who the best person to drop is. Correct? Exactly. So like, imagine if you had had on your team, uh, you know, one of these running backs who just recently got hurt and then you have that guy cause you had them on your team. You know what I mean? Like, and then their value goes up, like just, you know, in case two weeks before the season, something happens. Right. Uh, just wait to make the decision. I only take a backup quarterback only if it's a high upset guy, like Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really ever take a backup tight end. I usually do. I don't know why. Well, it depends. If you get a late tight end, if you're drafting like a guy like Noah Fant, I usually will take another one. But if I'm drafting Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, I do not. DK, yeah. but, but the, the yeah. part of this I'm really interested in is, well, one, how do you decide you're going to pick? But like on that, how do you decide how you pitch for your bench? Like you get your starters the first five or six rounds and then it's like your bench is coming. Like how do you actually fill out your bench and you're thinking of how many running backs you want receivers or you're just thinking about players you like and it shakes out how it shakes um, out. Yeah, I mean, as I go along in a draft, 
I kind of keep in, in mind how I need to fill out my roster. But for the most part, I'm just picking the players that I think are going to have the best seasons. Like, as I know that's sort of just a very generic way to put it, but like, I'm trying, I'm not trying to do the thing where, oh God, I got to get a running back here. I'm yeah. trying to do the thing where I'm like, this guy's going to have a huge year. I want to add him to my team. And then as you get it later into the draft, then you can start to like make sure that you're filling out your roster, have enough running backs. Generally speaking, if you start two running backs, you want to have at least three or four because there's bye weeks, there's injuries. Um, and then receivers, clearly, if you start three receivers, you need to pick up an extra two, extra one or two guys to like fill those spots. If it's a two, if it's a start two receiver league, I would say at least four. And then with the flex position, like depending on how many flexes your league has, um, just keep that in mind. Like if you know, then you don't have to worry so much about like having X, Y, or Z, like a running back, tight end, or uh, receiver. You can just kind of pick the best players. So um, in terms of deciding who to pick, though, like. The most, the easiest way to do it is to look in the little, you know, the the guide box that is on ESPN, Yahoo, or whatever platform you're drafting on, and just like trust the ADP, trust the rankings that that league has. Um, and but the other thing that I would say is like, for instance, we've we've pitched this before. Like, go have our rankings up on the draft tracker at the fantasyfootball.theringer.com, and click off guys that have been taken, and then you can see who the top ranked player is on our board at all times. Right. And so when your when your pick comes up, you can just say, hey, they've got this guy ranked high. Um, you know, and you can go from there. I got a question for you guys. I don't think we've ever talked about this. Do you guys like to use the queue in a draft, a live draft? You know, on the platform Yahoo or ESPN, they have the queue where you can like star players and keep them in the queue so you know they're still there. Do you use that? I do. I do for a couple of reasons. One, just basic real politique in case my internet cuts out for an over reason which has happened to me a couple times especially if you have like the the, the auto pick if you have the last or first pick in a, in a snake draft and you go back to back i have had my internet cut out and then i go back to back yeah. so that's one of the most basic reason second i use it to keep track of certain guys um i i, I all the research you do for fantasy to me is just to not panic when there's 25 seconds left and the cue to me is just yeah. one, like one, like the break glass in case of emergency. Yeah. Like, okay, there were eight guys that was six picks ago. Six of them got taken. These are the two I really care about. And then you start panicking. You know what I mean? Like, it's just to me, it's just you just want to be calm when that's happening. And the like, I use it. I don't. Do you use it, Craig? Yeah, I do. I like the cue um, because later, as you get later into the draft, and this is sort of something we talked about earlier in the pod. It's like. You don't have to worry so much about reaching. You don't have to go based on whatever the rankings are on the the platform that you're drafting because there's like hundred there's like a hundred guys um, that you could pick at any certain spot. Like I, I really wouldn't think it was a reach to grab like any of the like a hundred players. So I like to use the queue because at the late as you get later into drafts, I I find that it becomes more chaotic. There's just a bunch of guys on the list, and I don't want to draft ninety percent of them or whatever. And so I use that to like find my favorites, keep track of them. And that way, later in the draft, it's just less like chaotic. I, I gotta say, I try and be good about it, but like, I, I'll bring the the piece of paper with like my own tiers on it, and I will cross guys out like one at a time as they get drafted. I'll cross them out so I know who's available. But do you guys ever struggle with like the literal timing of it, especially if you're in like a, an auction league where like by the time somebody drafts, you know, when you're like in round six and somebody drafts like Trey Sermon, and you gotta like. Flip, oh, it's on this page. You grab your pen, you cross them out. Oh, you realize you forgot to cross someone out last time. Yeah. By the time you do that, you're like halfway through the bidding. I, I do find sometimes that like it's hard to be really organized just because of the timing and how quick players can mm -hmm. go in drafts. 
you laugh at me, but this is why I, I think the biggest advantage you can have other than actually doing your research. But if you've like, you know, done your work or whatever, not drinking during the draft, like I'm not, I'm serious, man. Like if you just, <laughs> the difference between not having or have one, but like if you have five beers and you're trying to like, and you're trying to cross players off and you're like, oh, right. I haven't done that in 20 players. It's like, I don't know. It's like. The end of the day, like it's hard to keep track of shit if you're drunk. Yeah, honestly, have one beer and sip it the entire time so nobody makes fun of you. But do that, maybe two. The other one, but I love this question from Emma of just how do you decide who you're going to pick? It's so simple, but like, <laughs> uh, like I, I think another one is we talked about three receivers early. But if you have two receivers in a two receiver league, generally speaking, four weeks into the season, everyone wants to trade for running backs. Like, no one wants your wide receiver unless they're really good enough that you don't want to give them up. No one wants Robert Woods from you a month into the season because everyone's happy with their wide receivers in a two-receiver league. But everyone wants running backs. I found more often than not I load up on running back in those leagues trying to hit a dart, and you can either keep them or flip them. Having said that, I, I, at the end of the day, it's what DK said, where just take value players, like players that are going to be good. And it's okay to have a weakness. Like, it's okay to be weak at a position when you leave the draft if you're really strong elsewhere, and then you can fix that as the season goes on. Do you guys ever think about how the one of the saddest parts about fantasy football is that if a guy just auto-drafts, his team's pretty good? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is why for all we talk about Snake, <laughs> and, Bill likes auction better, and salary and like salary cap is just a better league. Uh, we have There's one friend in one of my buddy's big leagues, and every year he just says fucking auto-drafts, and he gets like fourth or third every year. Have you guys ever had an auto-drafter win your league? I don't think so. No. I don't really put. I don't. We try and make it so we don't have auto drafters. But whatever year was Jimmy Graham's, the year he blew up, that guy got Jimmy Graham in the auto draft. It's really funny. And he won, and it was infuriating. And that guy hated his team. This is a cop out, but like you have to manage your team throughout the year. Like you have to pick up waivers. You have to set your starting lineups. There's more. To, there's more to fantasy football than just drafting. I, I know in, in best ball it's different, but. Like that's part of the game too. It's not just the draft. You yeah, have to yeah, manage yeah, the. Yeah. You have to manage your team. You have to pick up good good players on waivers. You have to start the right players. Yeah, it's like seventy um, thirty. Yeah. Speaking of which, we're gonna have in season episodes. Everyone tuning in now when we come to you during the season. That's right, baby. <laughs> right. Don't All just right. stop listening. Don't stop. Get the fantasy court. This is for, this is a fantasy court from Matt. This is big. We're bringing fantasy, fantasy court, court back. You just cruise yeah, right through that. Don't. Yeah. What? what? There was no pomp and circumstance. Fantasy there. Oh, court. Can we have like a the bailiff call me in? Yes. Yeah. All rise and then do the little like hammer. I have the sound would... effect. I do it all the time. I oh, did it all last. I can't year. remember. Okay, cool. we're, we're rusty. Okay. Good sound effect. Cool. All rise. <laughs> all rise. I wish I had prepared something. Okay. We have a, a brief from the plaintiff. If you're a lawyer who listens to this show, please email me at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com to learn. I need to know some legal terms for this. It would be super helpful. Matt, in the league Matt. I'm in, the winner gets to have a rule change, which is an incredible. I love that, actually. Two years ago, I won and made my rule change to go from full PPR to the superior half PPR. Unfortunately, that change never got implemented in time for the new season. Mm. I didn't win last year, and now the new winner's rule is to get rid of half PPR, even though it was never put into effect. I've now stated to my league that my rule either gets put into place, and if it doesn't, I get to propose a different rule change, or I won't have my money put into our league's pot. I agree with Matt here. I think what they should do is the winner is allowed to change the rule, but it can't be the half PPR rule. It has to be a different rule. Why did, why did the league not change the rule? I mean, they probably just forgot. Listen, this happens all the time. It's like how Heifetz forgot to put in the lineups last year in the Daily Fantasy. <laughs> it's like, I guarantee you, these are a bunch of 25-year-olds and they just like fucking forgot. 
and the league started. They're like, shit. Are we projecting on that one? I think his rule should be kept. Yes. And then I think this other person should think of a new rule. I agree. It just can't, he can't change the, the points per receptions ruling, yeah. the new winner guy. He can change anything else, but the half PPR goes into effect for this year. Listen, I understand that this was a tough year for everyone. It doesn't mean it didn't fucking happen. He gets it. He gets his rule. This really should have been settled out of court. This should never have made it to fantasy court. <laughs> right. Are they really, this was... I'm ashamed of you lawyers for bringing this in front of me. Matt, we we rule unanimously in, in your favor, and yeah. um, your league needs to figure that shit out real quick. Think of a new we'll rule. This isn't even a fun, like, switching it back, like, come on. So do we issue an injunction Think of a new to rule. stop the league from beginning until they change the rule? Is that within our, our power, our jurisdiction? I really need lawyers to email us. Well, I want to hear the devil's advocate for all of these things. Like, I'd love to hear the guy who's like on the other side of this argument being like, no, it doesn't make sense that Matt gets to keep his half PPR rule. Like, I want right, to know we'll what follow that guy up for thinks. more documentation. Yeah, follow up. We're going to follow up for more documentation. Okay. Another email. <laughs> God damn it. This is good. Dear gentlemen, I hope this message finds you well. It is with great pleasure I present a financial opportunity from the famed diva <laughs> Mariah Carey. She has been notified of a communal advertisement opportunity through radio podcast opportunity. As her lawyer representative <laughs> official, I have unique privilege to offer you famed song fantasy for a limited time, say 90 days for American dollars, 40,000 U.S., if this suits you, as her representative, I can handle the financials completely. If you can send traveler checks in $100 American dollar denomination or gift cards <laughs> from your desired department facility to my address in Ibiza, Spain. Sorry, Ibiza. Ibiza. PO Box 1134. Thank you for your unique financial opportunity uh, from Dominique, famed representative of Mariah Carey. This is an incredible bit. Whoever wrote this email <laughs> did it in like the perfect amount of like broken English. It's so incredible. There is no way that we weren't going to read this email on the pod. <laughs> so, also, where I think we, that's the most creative email The money is on the way. While. We don't even care if it's fake. We sent, I sent this person thousands of dollars. What do you guys think is, what do you think is more real? This email or Mark's email that his uncle actually knows? Hey, Mariah listen, Carey? you don't talk shit about Mark. <laughs> I believe Mark and his uncle. I desperately want to believe Mark. Let's let's just go with Mark. I just love the idea that we could potentially get Mariah Carey's fantasy through this guy, Mark, and it had nothing to do with the fact <laughs> that we work at Spotify. Yeah, that's the best. Well, okay. Last up, we got a fun fact yeah. from Kel Kelvin. Kelvin. On the or uh, origin of Liz. Kelvin. I might have just misspelled it. It might be Kevin. Regardless. Oh, like, <laughs> apologies. Kelvin or Kevin. Well, okay, well, we'll find out. I'm sure he'll email us all upset. Okay. Wish I had something cool to write to you guys about for the first time, but I had some knowledge and personal experience with a Liz Frank injury after the Travis Etienne discussion. The Liz Frank is named after Jacques Liz Frank, a field surgeon in Napoleon's army. He described a specific injury that happened when soldiers got knocked off their horse with their foot stuck in the stirrup, mm. which is a good way to understand the twisting and tearing ah, nature of the injury. Yeah. Gross. He also found it that it was a weak area of the foot that made a convenient place to amputate the forefoot uh -huh. When necessary on the battlefield. <laughs> I know this because when I was a fourth year medical student, I got on a moped after a long day of tailgating in football, crashed, and got a Liz Frank injury in the process. And as a medical student sitting in the emergency room, every doctor and surgeon comes up to you in the room, tells the same story about Dr. Liz Frank to teach me something while I'm sitting there in pain. And now I get to pass this story on wow. to you guys. And now we're here in pain. Um, I don't even, yeah. Do you think it happened to Jacques or did he just see a lot of people suffer it and he named it after himself? You know it what I mean? It sounds like he saw a lot. He he treated a lot of people, a lot of the soldiers or whatever, the 
that had fallen off their horses or gotten knocked off their horses for whatever reason. I don't know how I feel about that. that. Well, I feel like those guys get hurt and then they're like, well, you need Liz Frank. And they're like, where's Liz Frank? And then eventually they just call it Liz Frank. Oh, I see. Like, the, the, you got to go to Liz Frank. He's the guy for the horse Yeah, Liz foot. Frank's the guy. It was originally called horse foot. They were like, no, you got to go to Liz, <laughs> Liz Frank for horse foot. Exactly. But man, Liz Frank really, uh, really cashed out here. Jacques didn't even get hurt. Cash out. I feel like he didn't feel like he didn't make any money. Well, his name lives on forever. Does he know that? Does that matter to you? Like he's dead. Uh, And now his descendants are known as a foot injury. Dude, people love to get shit named after themselves. What are you talking about? That's like the basis of every building in every college. (laughs) It's like every rich person wants something named after them. Yes. Because they can't, they can't fathom the idea that after their life, no one will think about them anymore. I think in the science community that, yes, it's like a big deal. Well, I don't know. I'm speaking very, very general. But if you didn't know, right. you need to have that happen while you're alive. Like Van Gogh sold like three paintings while he's alive. No, obviously not. If someone's like, Craig, do you care if when you die, you won't know people will know your name after you're dead? No, I don't care about that. I'd like to know people are going to know my name. I got to start naming injuries. The Horlbeck sounds like an injury. Your name, your name, the Horlbeck, it's horrific. DJ Chark suffered a Horlbeck last week. <laughs> <laughs> that sound, that just sounds bad. It sounds that's what actually. That's why Michael Thomas is on the PUP. He's got a Horlbeck. gruesome. The Horlbeck injury Hyperextension is of the elbow is a Horlbeck. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's also like when, when someone brings up your name, do you really want, it's like always negative. If you have a list rank injury, that's never good. Yeah. Okay, that's it. I also just occurred to me that Kevin Durant had the foot injury that was a Jones fracture. Right. And that's also probably the same exact thing. Tommy John. Anyway, Tommy John Tommy surgery. John. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. Okay. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you to everyone for emailing us. Thank you to uh, the people who didn't get back to. Please keep emailing us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Fantasyfootball.theringer.com. You can find our draft guide there. And of course, the one, the only. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Mariah Carey. Yes. I will not. I will not say another singer on this episode because it's very important. Okay, yeah, you're right. I was gonna. Okay, I know it's a. I know it's a duplicate, but whatever. A shining light in the music industry in the '80s, '90s, and today, Mariah Carey. We love you. Her Mariah. voice is like crystal. Mellifluous voice, beautiful, soothes your. We will whole do body. literally whatever you want. So Mariah. pure. Listen, you can be. You can be the voice of this show, Mariah. <laughs> we got. We got to work on that pitch. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're workshopping it live. <laughs>